0: Amen. All right. So we are again we're in part three of a series that we started. Um it's uh it's called For His Glory and uh maybe a quick review of where we've been. Um let's see here. We could probably use the next slide to do it if quick is working. Just gonna go to the next slide. I know it timed out or something all right let 's see here, um, so anyways, the first week we, we asked the question of, of really why why on earth are we here? Um, what, what do we exist for and we, we came, uh, came away with two points from the first, first teaching of the series is that God has made us for his glory. everything in creation exists because in some way it glorifies God. And, and the second thing we came away with that first week was that when, when anything in creation carries out its God-given purpose, um, it glorifies God. And we talked about the different animals, the different, uh, you know, the ants and the platypus and all the different, the anteater and um So, last week, or not last week, two weeks ago, we shifted gears to, well, how on earth do we bring glory to God? What have we been made for? What is our God-given purpose? And we looked at the Great Commandments, and we tried to figure out some ways we could apply the Great Commandments, and... um, We also have shared the idea of the purpose of the Firehouse Church. In some ways, what our purpose is individually, um, our hope as a church is to carry that out together um, so that each one of us can carry out our God-given purpose together in the Firehouse Church. We talked about um, the purpose of the Firehouse Church is to bring great glory to God by obeying the great commandments and the great commission. So hopefully you have a handout here. If you, if you don't, uh, they should be coming shortly. If you need a pen, they should be in your seat or, or you can ask for one. i will get you a pen as well. But uh, a few things you can take notes on here this morning if you feel led to. But, but anyways, we talked about the great commandment. The great commandment, ultimately loving God supremely, loving God with your whole being. We talked about with your heart, passionately, with your soul, is um, personally. And, you know, it also ties in with volitionally, your, your personal choice. Um, Loving God with your mind, thoughtfully. Loving God with your strength. Putting uh, your effort or, or power into it. So um, that's the great commandment. This morning we're going to look at really the great commission. And, you know, when we started uh, laying this out here, we we said, okay, what is the most important thing? What have we been created for? And we went to the place in Matthew 22 where Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment? And he shared with them uh, Matthew 22:37. I'm sure all of you have memorized that since last time we spoke. Um, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's verse 37 through 40. But we talked about loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and, and your strength. Um, this morning we're going to talk about loving your neighbors as yourself. And really that's, that's the heart of the Great Commission. Loving your neighbors as yourself. And, and ultimately in the next two parts of the series we're going to break loving your neighbors into two groups of people. You know that every person on the planet, every person in this room right now can be divided into two groups of people. Those who are Christians, those who believe in Jesus Christ, and those who do not. Uh you know, in some way Jesus referred to it as those who those who are lost and those who are found. Those who are, are his, his children right now, and those who are not. And um, in some ways those are those are two very distinct Ways to see everyone on the planet. They're either in this group that knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they have eternity squared away with Him, um, or or they do not. That relationship with God, that connection has been lost because of sin. And, um, and so the first part we're going to talk about is this morning, we're going to talk about loving those who are not Christians. Loving those who, as uh, Jesus said, are lost. Is from his perspective. And so um, that's what we're, we're going to talk about here. Um, we're also going to continue to tie this into the Firehouse Church. What, what, where does the name come from? What is our vision? You know, Sometimes people, over the years now, we've been a church for about seven years. This fall makes seven years. Um, and, and over the years we have been called a lot of things uh, that are not the Firehouse Church. Um, and some of them are good, some of them are bad, but uh, no, uh, most of them are good. But most of them are confusion over... Firehouse you know we 've been called the fireside church we 've been called the fireplace we 've been called um, the fire station we 've been called uh you know, there's confusion over firehouse subs, firehouse car wash. I got a call a week or two ago about the firehouse veterinary place somewhere in town. I, they, you know, is this the vet? Uh, no, this is me, Rich, the pastor. Um, and so um, there's this confusion. Why why the firehouse church? Why when you pick a name did you go with something like that? Now some people, some of you might be, uh, you know, a little bit like you come around, you take a look at this building, and you go, well, yeah, it was an old fire station. That's why they're called the firehouse church anyone Anyone thought that before I thought that as a, you know it kind of looks like an old fire station, and that you know thank you, Lord, for that it 's not been an old fire station before, but we, we hoped that it would kind of look like that when we first came to town. We did try to land in the, some different fire stations um, and you know it never worked out. Someone got to a lease before we did, or it cost too much um, but there 's a couple reasons why we 're the firehouse church um, one is uh, like we talked about last week, we want to be a church that is uh, passionate about loving God, loving God with our whole being. You know, in the Bible, it refers to God as a consuming fire. And our goal is to be a church that is centered around the God who is a consuming fire. You know, uh, Exodus thirty-four, fourteen. I think it's a new living, but it just says, He's a God who's passionate about His relationship with you. And that's who we want to center the firehouse church around. We want to be passionate about loving God in response to that. But there's another reason why we are named the firehouse church. And it has to do with the idea that that Jesus, before he left, he gave clear instructions to his followers. Those instructions are called the Great Commission. And the Great Commission at its heart, and and the instructions that Jesus left his disciples in the church, is ultimately it's a rescue mission. And and Jesus gave the church a rescue mission. And in some ways, that, that resonated with me as a pastor. I was thinking about when we would plant a church, what would we name it? Uh, we went through a few iterations about um, other campuses have groups related to, uh, you know, there's O2 out there, you know, for oxygen. There's the H2O, I think Greeley had a campus group, H2O. They got water covered. We started thinking oxygen, water, I don't know if there's an earth you know, church out there or whatever, but we, we want to do fire. What about fire? And God's a consuming fire. And, and there's a rescue mission that's similar to, to what maybe firemen experience in life. And I, and I know um, it was about 11 years ago, I heard a story on the news that, that stuck with me. And some of you might know it. It was from here in Denver. And I was up in Fort Collins at the time, and I just remember hearing it on the news. And it had to do with um, August 21st of 2000. And I'll just jump into the story here. Um, After an exhaustive five-hour search uh, that ended late Thursday night when the body of a Denver firefighter, swept away by high high water while helping save a stranded motorist, was found in a drainage culvert. Robert Crump, 37 years old, from the Denver Fire Department and in another word, directing traffic around high water on Colorado Boulevard when a woman left her flooding car and slipped in the fast moving current while walking towards the side of the road, officials said. Two firefighters went in and grabbed the woman. But Crump slipped and the current caught him, carrying him under, said Mark Watson, the public information officer for the fire department. Crump was last seen about five forty five PM. Some of his gear, including his helmet, those recovered during the search, and crews held, held out hopes that he would be found alive until the end. Um, let's see, given the option between their life and somebody else's, they, firefighters, would take great measures to make sure the other person would live first, says Fire Chief Rich Gonzalez. Crump's body was found about 11 p.m., about two and a half blocks away, after an extensive search made by more than 50, firefighters and dozens of law enforcement personnel and officers from other agencies. Water levels in the drainage culvert rose to as high as 14 feet, according to Watson, and had subsided somewhat when crews found Crump's body. Searchers also looked in, in storm drains and manhole covers during, during the operation. And Watson said uh, firef- the firefighters were not engaged in an active operation when the woman left the car and, and thus were not wearing lifelines when the, the two men quickly reacted and went into the water to save the woman. Uh, No one was able to get to Crump in time after he went under. Uh, The second firefighter and woman were not injured. Crump leaves behind a wife and three children, daughters ages 9, 11, and 13. He joined the fire department in April 1997. And I just remember hearing that story about this this firefighter that he went and he was involved. He wasn't even on duty. uh, And he went and he risked his life to see a young woman saved. And in the process, he was uh, safely rescued and, and he slipped and got swept away and he lost his life. He gave his life for something that he thought was important. And, you know, at the time, I was just wrestling through different things on what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. You know, in some ways, at its heart, I, I think it relates, there's a, there's a glimmer there. There's a snapshot there of what God has called everyone who would call themselves His disciple. He's called us to a rescue mission. He's called us to give up our lives for the sake of seeing others saved. And, and that idea of a, a firehouse, a place that their mission is to see people rescued from from flames or from floods, is what I thought. You know, that's the mission the church has been given. We've been given a mission to rescue people from, from the flames of judgment that are coming. And the judgment is coming like a flood. And, and we've got work to do, men and women. And we've been given a mission here at the firehouse church, and it is a rescue mission. And our hope is that you you know that. And that you catch that. Because, you know, if, if you're a part of the firehouse church and you're, you're not up for rescue, you know, maybe that's not your thing. You might find yourself uh, twiddling your thumbs when others are really trying to, to work at reaching those who are lost. And you might find yourself maybe feeling a little awkward when, when someone's sacrificing for that cause and, you know, we've got other concerns being entertained and other things like that. But we're, we're all about a rescue mission here. And, I want to make sure everyone knows that. Um, And that's not accidental. Again, Jesus gave us the Great Commission. It is a rescue mission. There's a few verses on it. Some of you might not have ever heard the Great Commission before. Um, And and if you haven't, that's okay. Um, We're going to talk about it this morning. The Great Commission has to do with... um, it's not to be confused with, you know, like pastors get paid a great commission for the size of their church and as it grows, there's a percentage cut we get. It doesn't work like that. Our salary is set regardless of who shows or doesn't show. Um, no great commission there. But the great commission just has to do with the, the final instructions that Jesus gave um, before returning to heaven. A couple of the key verses on that are, are this one from Mark 16:15. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all all creation. Go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Another one you've heard of before if you've been around here at all. Therefore, go and make disciples, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And and those are two verses that really... um, uh, you know, encapsulate the Great Commission. Um, there's, each gospel has a, has a place where Jesus kind of gives these marking orders. Um, this is Matthew, Mark, Luke has one, and in chapter 24, verse 7, it just talks about uh, that, his, uh, see, that His name will be, let's um, just say, uh, and forgiveness, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name beginning in Jerusalem. And, and uh, John... 20, verse 21 talks about Jesus said, um, as the Father has send, sent me, I'm sending you. Acts 1-8, you've heard before that we'll be witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, but these are some of our encapsulated, um the so really great commission is divided into loving our neighbors, and there's loving those who do not know Christ, those who do not have a relationship restored with God through Jesus Christ, and that, in some some term for that is evangelism. Another idea is loving those who are saved and helping them be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, and, and that would be called discipleship. But this morning we're going to talk a little bit about evangelism here. Uh, the first question I have for us here, and this is in your blanks as well. We'll try to fill them out as we go here, but. Um, why should you and I preach the good news? Why should you and I do that? Um, and we're going to try to catch a few things here. Um, the first one is because Jesus suggested it. Jesus, or, or Jesus hinted at it. Or Jesus kind of sort of wishes that we would do it. Right? That's the blank. You know, the blank is, why should you and I preach the good news? Because Jesus commanded it. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And again, you know, somebody said, well, that was the first disciples. Well, maybe it was the first disciples. And he told the first disciples, now, go and tell everyone, uh, teach them what I commanded you. I commanded you to go reach the world Now go teach others the commands that I gave you, which include reaching the world with Christ. So Jesus has commanded it, not just strongly suggested it, not just hinted at it. Um, and And I think there's a real... There's really something we need to catch here. Um, There was a study that came out within the last 10 years. I think it was from Campus Crusade for Christ. But they did a study about Christians in the United States of America. And the study said it said that out of all the Christians or those who claim to be born-again Christians in the United States of America, about 2%, 2% of all Christians are active in sharing their faith. 2% out of... All the Christians in the United States of America are active in sharing their faith. That's a challenging statistic. Uh, and statistically speaking, if you look in this room and say there was 200 people in here like last week, and that means we could pick four of you out of this room. Four of you would be active in sharing your faith out of 200 in a room. But that's pretty sad. And that's, that's, uh, that's pretty scary. And I, think, I feel blessed in a way that I think our numbers are probably greater than 2%. But I've got to ask you, when was the last time you shared your faith, period? When was the last time you shared your testimony in a clear and concise way? When was the last time you shared the gospel in a way that somebody could actually respond to the gospel and get saved? I've got a question for you. Are you in the 2% or are you in the 98%? Now, you know, I'm not asking that question so we can point fingers at people and go, oh, shame on you. I'm asking that question because you've got to be realistic about where you're starting at because we want to be a church full of people who are in that 2% who are obeying Jesus' command to go take the good news to everyone, everywhere. We want to equip you for that. We want to encourage you for that. But first you've got to catch where are you starting at? Are you in the 2%? Has it been since college that you shared your faith effectively? Has it been a year or two or months? that you've really shared a clear and powerful presentation of the gospel. Have you ever done that? Because we believe here at the Firehouse Church, we believe that should be a normal part of every disciple's life. Everyone who's claiming to follow Jesus Christ, this should be a normal part of their life. You know, uh, modern day, you know, there's the flyers out there saying, I'm part of the 99%, you know, the Occupy movement. I don't know where you stand on that. I mean, you're here this morning, so you're probably not camping out. But um, but I don't want it to be the case for the firehouse church where we go, I'm a part of the 98% who love worshiping God, who worship Him with all my soul and my heart. Just don't make me share Him with anybody. Just don't make me mention the name of Jesus to anyone. That could be a little awkward for me. Well, anyway, folks, so we've been commanded to do this, and um, our hope, again, is to encourage everyone in this room to to live that out, to carry that part of your design uh, out to bring glory to God. Uh, a couple verses, you know, sometimes people, you know, say, oh, there's not enough verses on it. Again, here's Acts 1-8. There's another one. I love this one from 2 Corinthians five twenty. But it just says, Paul is speaking. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Then when we're, we're supposed to get out there with people and encourage them, hey, get right with God, please, I beg you, before it's too late, get right with God through Jesus. We're supposed to be doing that, and Paul was obviously, and we want to imitate that. Other good verses. Um, this one here, you know, it's a, you've heard this before. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim. The excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are, if you're claimed to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know what you are also? You're also to be a proclaimer, not just a, a silent witness in the places that you go. I, sometimes that word ambassador, you know, uh, I feel like it can be a little bit, uh, you know, ambassadors. Do you, do you know any of your ambassadors from the United States to anywhere? Uh, no, not a clue. Do you know any ambassadors that are visiting our country? No, not really. To me, that's not really doesn't catch you the heart of loving the lost. Um, but I think proclaim we are proclaimers. We are like the modern day prophets that God has said, I want you to get out there and tell people this good news. It's not an inactive thing. It's not a staying put sort of thing. Wait till someone knocks on your door and asks, Hey, how do I get saved? Um, we are to be active. Um, another place here, this is one of the verses that is key to the firehouse in our name. You know, we're Jude the brother, the half-brother of Jesus said this. He said at one point, rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Rescue others. Rescue them from the flames that are inevitable if they've sinned against their Creator. Get out there and rescue them. Be a part of taking the good news out there. And so um, we've been commanded to do it. Um, There's some of the verses there. Another reason why we um, preach the good news is because um, it's a way to show our love to God. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, uh, he who has my commands and obeys them is the one who loves me. You know, and so if we have his commands, his commands to get out there with the great, in the Great Commission are very clear. And and yet sometimes uh, it's probably one of the hardest things we can do in the Christian life is to share your faith uh, clearly uh, with you know or share the gospel in a way that someone could actually respond and get saved. I think most people we can do a lot of things in the Christian life. This is the one that's uh, shied away from the most, you know. And if if we ask the question of you know how much do you love God and say we just narrowed it down to a few commands related to the Great Commission, um, how much love would be expressed through your life if we only looked at these verses about? Uh, getting the good news out to all the world. How much love is coming through your life to Jesus Christ if it was just looked at these commands? You know, in some ways we go, oh, I'm doing great at loving Christians, at serving Christians. You know, that's 50% of the Christian life, but I'm doing terrible at this other thing here. We'll put those two together, 50% and, and terrible... And it's a failing grade, you know, in the Christian life. And so we want to be fo- folks that, are, as a church, we want to be people that are strong and, and loving believers and loving God and actively pursuing the lost. And so, um, but it's a way we can show our love to God. Another thing is that it's a way we can show God's love. For the lost, like the verse we said, it's like God wants to make His appeal through you. He wants you to be filled with His love and compassion so that when you're talking to a person that doesn't know Him, it's like they will feel the love of God because of you sharing with them. So we're doing it because we're commanded. We're doing it to show our love to God. We're doing it so that we can be vessels of God's love towards others. That's, that's why we do what we do. And um, You know, there's a... We've got a... Let me see here. We're, we're going to look at... So that's some reasons why we share the good news. We're going to just uh, spend the rest of the time here just with some practicals on how. How do we do this? Yes, I know that's true. I've known that's true forever. And I'm still stuck in the 98%. Uh, how do we do this? You know, we don't want to just leave you feeling bad. Um, and you may feel bad, but that's, that's between you and God. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Um, at least I'm not trying that much. You know, maybe... No, I'm not, I'm not trying to... Between you and the Lord, whether you're obeying Him as it pertains to this, whether He's getting any love from through your life on these matters, um, Bill Bright said this when it comes to witnessing. I think it's a great quote here, but it just says, "Success in witnessing is simply taking the initiative to share Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God." Sometimes we, have to, we feel like our success and how well we're doing is based on our people getting saved or not. Did someone fall on their face and receive Christ? Did they start crying and i feel good if they did? Well, I don't know. I haven't seen that too much of that in my years of following Christ. That's a great response. I'd love it if that happened. Um, but success is you're obeying Jesus when he says to you, get the good news out there. That's success. And you're doing it in step with His Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. That's success in God's eyes. The results, those are up to God. But we do need to obey on our part. This is uh, the Living Bible, as it says, the verse here in Mark 16, 15. But It says, You are to go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone, everywhere. And so we have an acronym here on helping us out here. And it's uh, if, you, if you know me at all, I don't use acronyms a lot. You know, it's kind of a... Uh, I just... I'm not a big crossword puzzle guy or anything like that. Um, but anyways, i got an acronym I feel like God gave me to help us out with uh, some of this uh, how to get the good news out uh, of the first one. The acronym is PREACH. You see it in your hand out there, PREACH. Um, a quick quick thought for you. Um, maybe a little riddle to chew on. You know, uh, not every Christian is, is a preacher, but every Christian is called to preach. You follow that? Not every Christian is a preacher. But every Christian is called to preach. How can that be? I don't know. Preacher has connotations like you're paid to do it, you travel around to do it, something like that. But what I do know is this verse here that we're looking at is to every Christian. Preach the good news to everyone everywhere. That's to every one of us. Sometimes I find people that say, well, I'm not gifted in evangelism. You know, there's ways we get in the 98% of people. Some will say, you know, there are people, the Bible's clear, there's some people that maybe are gifted to to preach the gospel. Would you agree with that? Some people are gifted in evangelism. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Alright, so, not every Christian may be gifted to preach the good news. But you know what? Every Christian is commanded to preach the good news. And in that you've got to believe. Every Christian has been commanded to do it. Now, some are gifted. Some maybe more naturally have God's grace and help and assistance in doing that. And, and great, they better be doing that. Um, but everyone, every Christian has been commanded to do it. We, we need to be careful. You know, I'm not an evangelist. And so, I think of the first disciples. One of them was called the evangelist. you know who that was? Philip the Evangelist. You know, Jesus could have said, Hey look, all you disciples, you're good guys and whatever, but Philip, you get out there and preach the good news to all the world. You guys tag along with him and clean up his mess. No, but he said, All of you, you go and preach the good news. It wasn't just Philip the evangelist. Each one of us is called to that. And the reality is, if you know the scriptures as well, gifts are designed, and there's a place in Ephesians, um, Ephesians 4 that just talks about gifts are for equipping the saints... You know, if someone is an evangelist, you know what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to use that grace that God gives them to equip other people to get out and do what they've been commanded to do. It's not like, hey, you're the evangelist for our church, cool, you know, send them to our small group when you're done with them. Um, It's not like that. We're all supposed to be getting after it. And evangelists have been given a a special responsibility. It says teachers and pastors and prophets and um, evangelists, all those are... To equip everybody for access service. So if somebody gets some been thinking like, hey, that's not for me, I encourage you to think again um, because it, I think Jesus thinks it's for you. And, and we're trying to encourage it. Um, Go. So go is uh, proactive. we got to get proactive about it. Initiate with the lost. You know, uh, you can write the verse down. I think it's in your handouts already. But uh, uh, Luke 19.10, it just says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus left the glory and the perfection of heaven to come into this broken and fallen world to go after the lost. Uh, It was a search and rescue mission that Jesus was on. Are you on that same search and rescue mission, or do you engage with it when it happens to cross your path? That's the only reason He came to this planet. Do you know that? Was to seek and to save what had been lost. And so we need to we need to follow. We need to be proactively initiating with people. You know, if you're like, oh, I'm not a people person. So well, again, some people that that's more natural to grace. You better be using that. God's going to call you to give account for, for any talent, skills, whatever He's given you. If you're not a natural people person, you know, I hate to tell you, you're still well qualified to obey this. Go. Get out there. Get your buns moving might be another way to put it, you know. That's what I would tell my kids. Go and uh, initiate with the law. The other thing is this R here is um, reach people with the, the good news about Jesus. Reach people with the good news about Jesus. And what I mean by that is um, we're on a rescue mission and sometimes we can talk about all sorts of spiritual things. Maybe on campus we ask questions, you know, who's Jesus to you? Do you believe in heaven and hell? Maybe you engage in conversations like that on the workplace or with your family or relatives. Um, But if Jesus is not really mentioned in the conversation, there's no way they're going to get saved. There's no way they can get rescued unless they hear what Jesus has done. And You know, it's kind of like... um, I, I just liken it to to a rescue line that they were talking about for a flood. when you take this rescue line to someone and you hand them the line, and uh, and they can decide, you know boy, i don't I just don't want to take hold of that. I want to get to shore by myself. It's fine. I gave you the rope. If you grab onto this, you'll be saved. Uh, if you don't want to grab onto, that's fine. You know, but but that's the idea. We need to take and hand them the line. We don't rescue people. Jesus does, and we take the good news about him and we say, Hey, Jesus died on the cross for you. How do you respond? And and they can decide. Well, I believe that. I take hold of that, and they will be saved. And they, they could decide, you know, hey, it's like that someone's stranded and they're in a flood and they, they're trying to get saved and someone brings them this line and, you know, they, they look at it and, you know, it's made by, made by Jesus or something like that. so the rope says, Hey, I don't want to have anything to do with Jesus. See, I would rather be stranded than to have Jesus help me. And there's people like that. But we've got to hand the line to them. They've got to make the choice. That choice will be forever reflected in eternity. Um, but we got to take the line to them. If you're not taking the gospel and you're not telling them about Jesus, you know, it's kind of like if you had a rope and you chopped it into a bunch of pieces and you're walking around talking to people, you know, here's a little little piece of rope for you and here's a little piece of rope for you. No one's ever going to get saved by the little pieces here and there. It's great to do kind of, uh, you know, uh, snapshots of the gospel here and there and maybe eventually someone could tie the pieces together uh, from talking to you and, and they make a rope out of it and they get saved. But, we're talking about just sharing the gospel in a clear way that someone can say I do to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and, and maybe you need some equipping or maybe you just didn't realize that's your responsibility as well but as a church we want to help you get equipped if you're not equipped we want to help you know that you are responsible if you think you're not um, but we want to get on with proactively reaching people with Jesus Christ here um, is that the one we have? Uh, let me see, my notes might be different. here. we have the diagnostic questions in that? Two lines that you can use to transition to a conversation about Jesus Christ. If you don't know these lines, I, I'd encourage you to stick them in your arsenal. Some of you, if you've had the outreach class before, you've heard these before. But uh, two questions, and I want you to answer the questions on your own paper here. How sure are you that if you died, how sure are you if you died tonight that you would go to heaven? How sure? On a percentage scale, 0 to 100%. Please write your percentage down on your paper. How sure are you that if you die tonight, again, Lord willing, this is hypothetical, you die tonight, how sure are you to go to heaven? Um, and the second question you can answer on your paper there as well is, um, you know, what would you say if God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? You, you die, you get in a car accident tonight, again, let's be careful out there tonight, but um, uh, if you come before God and God says, you know, He says your name, he says maybe your full name, your middle name, everything. And he says, uh, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you tell him? I encourage you to write your answer down there. But, um, you know, um, what we're trying to do as a church is we use kind of these questions. They're kind of a way to transition into sharing about Jesus. Because the Bible is really clear that you can be 100% sure you're going to heaven. You know, the verse that just haunted me for a while before I became a Christian was 1 John 5.13. And John says, you know, I write these things to you to believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. If you believe in the name of the Son of God, you can know you have eternal life. If you're not 100% sure you're going to heaven, you can be. And, you know, you'll find out you should be. Because if you're not 100% sure, I remember asking a guy this recently, his uh, percentage of how sure he was was going up and down based on how life was going for him. Um, And so, you know, it was was maybe 80 was the highest it ever got up to. So I said, you know, how many people have you shared Jesus Christ with? And he's like, hardly anybody. Why? Because I'm not even sure I'm going to heaven myself. If you're not sure you're going to heaven, you're probably not going to get on this mission. You know, Either you're going to do it in a way that's like, I'm doing this, I'm in, going through the motions, but I, I don't even know in my own heart if, if I'm going to heaven. You need to square this away if you're going to carry out this command, if you're going to show God love and bring Him glory this way. But you need to know for sure. And the answer, if you go, uh, you look at your answer, why? God's looking for one answer. Do you know what the answer is? Anyone? Yes, you do. Many of you do. (laughs) You might look at your answer, the one that God's looking for, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ died for me. If your answer starts with anything else, I'm a good person, I go to church. Um, You know, I think D.L. Moody once was was, uh, quoted, as saying he was a famous evangelist in the 1800s, but someone said, you know, I got saved by D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody's response was, "If, if, if you got saved by me, you're still not saved, yeah. You're not going to heaven if I saved you. Um, if Jesus Christ is not the one who saved you. You're not going to heaven. And if you have a confidence, that's you know that's good, but it's probably a false confidence because the only confidence that God says you can have is if you believe in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so we want to be sharing that with people. We want to help them in that. Um, those diagnostic questions, you can ask God to give you grace to pull them up. There's not, a, there's not a non-awkward way to do it. I think we talked about this before in our leadership group. You know, sometimes there's a to transition to a conversation about if you're going to heaven and hell and all that. It's, it's just awkward. Okay? It's not, it doesn't become not awkward, but it, you, you learn how to process it. We, we said it's kind of like a doctor, you know? A doctor's got to do some things. I think we have a doctor in the bunch here, but, but the doctor, you know, they got to do all sorts of things with your body, and some of them are kind of private and personal. And if the doctor's kind of like, you know, like, ah, uh, you know, how's it going there? Um, you know, geez, this is really awkward for me, but, you know, i got to, okay, go ahead and cough. Um, and, you know, if a doctor is really awkward in what they're doing, you're going to be like, really like, oh my god gosh, I'm going to find another doctor or I'm never going again. I knew that's why I didn't go to the doctor. Um, but a doctor engages in situations that can be awkward and they do it in a way that they're, they know what they're doing and they're comfortable with it and, and that in some ways puts others at ease if they're going to a doctor, if the doctor you know, is, is freaking out on you, well, you're going to be freaking out, right? Can I get an amen? Yeah. Even if they are comfortable, you could still be freaking out. But, but the same is true when you're telling people about Jesus. You know, it's like if you're, you're like, oh my gosh, here it goes. Uh, you heard of Jesus before? Ah, you know, um, and they're going to be like, oh, you know, they're going to freak out too. But uh, if you're comfortable with it using these lines, how sure are you? If you die tonight, you go to heaven. Now you have to figure out, you, you don't want the jump to be too awkward and you're just like, really comfortable with awkward situations there's a few of you guys out there I know who you are Um, the goal is not to just make someone feel awkward but the goal is when you make that transition to a question like where are you going to spend eternity when you die or or these diagnostic questions you just want to be practiced at it be comfortable at it and you know, trust God to come through and you might find some things that are different than you expect. You know, um, Al and I were talking to a guy this week that, you know, we were pretty sure he was a Christian and uh, we've been dialoguing. And he speaks a little Christianese, you know. He, he stands things like the Lord and things like that. And we're like, oh, the Lord, you know, that means he's a Christian. Um, but we we're telling him about how last week in church we did baby dedications and we did baptisms. And, you know, I, I made some comments about, yeah, we had fun dunking people, you know. It was a great time. And, and he was like, dunking people? what are you talking about? And um, I was like, well, you know, when someone becomes a Christian, they get baptized, you know, kind of go underwater, and bring it back up. And he was just really confused on that. And, um, and then Alan said a few things that were kind of taking it the direction of, uh, let's turn the corner on this conversation a little bit. He was kind of like, well, well, you're saved, right? You know, when you get saved, you get baptized. Haven't you been baptized? He's like, saved? He had this look come over his face like, um, and then Alan went on to say, you know, like, uh, you place your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And he said, that's where I have a problem. That's the issue right there. And all of a sudden this conversation went from a guy that we thought we were going to be you know, high-fiving and him in heaven and things like that. And he talked about the Lord and stuff. But you know, he's got issues on whether Jesus Christ is the way to get forgiveness. And, and now we know that. And we were going to follow up with the diagram there. Um, you know, he said, hey, I'd love to hear more about that, how I can know for sure I'm going to heaven. And we're hoping to, to get to catch up with him here. But we've got to be proactively engaging people with the point of getting to the gospel there. Um, and someone you think might be saved might not be 100% sure. Or they might be sure, and uh, it's for the wrong reasons. It's for a reason that's not going to fly with God. We want to help them with that. And again, um, Preach, P-R-E. E E would be um, you could put everyone, everywhere, or you could put the word evangelism, which includes everyone, everywhere. That's the E. Um, So everyone, everyone. Then there's the other little blank there. I love this one here. It's um, so everyone, everywhere. It means it means those you like and those you don't like, right? Please don't write that down. Those you like and those you don't like. I hope you like everybody. You know, I'm, it's those you know and those you don't know. Those you know and those you don't know. If you're going to share the gospel with someone you don't like, I encourage you to take a step back start liking them a little bit. Then share, you know, share this good news with them. If you don't like them, their motives might be a little suspect there. Um, but uh, everyone everywhere, with those you know and those you don't know, that means, uh, and I think I put it in the notes there, it's, uh, that means friendship evangelism and initiative evangelism. Friendship evangelism with friends, family, people you know. You're trying to share your faith with them. And I think most of us tend like, okay, yeah, I get that. But you know what? If we're going to reach everyone everywhere, who is that going to include? It's probably going to include some people you never met before. You know, you think about it. If the 12 disciples only shared with those they knew and had a great rapport with. You think they would have rocked the world and turned it upside down like they did? No, they had to talk to a lot of people they didn't even know. And they had to share this message of God's love for them with people they, they didn't even have a friendship with, you know? Some of the times you're like, "Oh, Peter, how can you ask that question? You just barely, you just barely let you out of jail. Um, you know. But they were sharing with everyone, everywhere. It's going to be friendship evangelism. And it's going to be initiative evangelism, people you don't know. The other word for that that's not as friendly is as, um, cold turkey evangelism, right? You know, I think cold turkey evangelism just doesn't sound that fun. Tom Short likes to call it initiative evangelism. He's, if you know him, he likes to get after people he doesn't know as well, you know, in a good way. Um, but people you know, people you don't know. Everyone, everywhere. And so um, we want to do that. The next one is uh, we need to ask God. Ask God for their salvation. And your opportunities. Sometimes we can, you know, we can be praying for the lost. I think it's um, oh Ray Comfort and Kirk Cameron and their way of the Master Ministries. You know, Ray Comfort makes the point that you know that to pray for the lost to get saved is not the same thing as you and I sharing the gospel for so the lost to get saved. Sometimes we think it's synonymous. I prayed for the lost. I'm doing my duty. You know, I love God. No, I'm praying for the lost. It's not the same thing as obeying the Great Commission. You know that? It's good to pray. You pray that God saves them. But you know the reality is you can pray for God to save someone and then someone else is actually obeying that command could can come along and share the gospel with them and they get saved. Those are two different things and we want to be doing both. Pray for people to get saved. Pray for your family, your friends, your coworkers, workers um, And pray for your opportunity to share the gospel, to extend a rescue line to them. Not just a piece of the line, not just a little... Uh, you know, buzz buzzword or whatever, um, but to share the message that could transform their life. So ask for their salvation and your opportunity. And I've been using something in my own life here recently, which I think you have a blank for. But I've been asking God. I've just been like, God, I know you want me to share. I know you have people that you've prepared out there. Show me who is next. Who is next, Lord? Who is next for me to share with? Who do you want me to share with? Maybe I don't even know them. Who is next? And and I encourage you to pray that. God has said, you know, this comes from that verse um, in Acts 17 where it just says God has determined the exact times and places that people will reach out to them. He knows exactly when someone's going to call on the name of Jesus Christ. He knows exactly where they will be on the planet. And He has placed Christians strategically there for those times. And you and I can ask, I believe it's a prayer God has been answering in my life over and over again. Lord, who's next? Who do you want me to share with next? And sometimes they're ready to get saved and sometimes they're not. But I've been praying this and I've found in the last, I think it's like four times that I've shared that four people or or everyone I've shared with has prayed to receive Christ. You know why? Because it was such a good presentation? No. Because it was such a bad presentation? No, not that either. Because God had prepared them to be saved and He was looking for someone to bring them the rescue line in the name of Jesus Christ. And uh, who is next? Why don't you start asking him that? Because some of you have influence with people that no one else has. You, you cross their paths, a the sphere of influence, that, that there might be no other Christian in that sphere of influence but you. And uh, who is next? Ask him. And then keep your eyes open and see what happens after that. You know, I, I feel like there's some of those prayers of the guy I'm um, wanting to get baptized. I was like, Lord, who is next? Who do you want me to share this with? And this guy's like, hey... Can I, can I sell you a baptismal, you know? And um, um you know, but he wanted to get baptized, but I was, I, I brought it back to how sure are you going to heaven? And, and why? And he was like 95% sure. And, and he had a bunch of reasons why Jesus was in the list. And so I sat him down and I shared the diagram with him and how he could know for sure. By the time we were done, we realized he was a Christian. He just didn't know he could be confident about it. And he didn't realize the only thing that counts towards, you know, knowing for sure is is you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ. By the time we were done, he was encouraged about it. And he wanted to continue with getting baptized, going public, trying to see his family get saved. But um, ask God who is next. and, And be ready to tell some stories next week here. Um, the, the next one here is catch God's heart. If you're going to be sharing the gospel, you need to make sure you've got God's heart for who you're sharing with. You know, um, I think we have to be careful sometimes because um, we we know you know Acts uh, no no Romans 1.16 You know I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Sometimes we just feel like the gospel is good. The gospel has power to save people. The gospel can like give someone a wake up call, and that's true. And you can share the gospel. And you can share the gospel without love. You can share it without God's heart. Because, well, everyone in the Christian world, the 2% of the people that are trying to do they go, wow, you share the gospel? Awesome. And there can be a motivation for sharing this powerful message that's, that's selfish, the wrong motivation. You've got to make sure we've got God's heart of compassion for those who are lost. And, you know, I think about, um, you know, maybe a little analogy of making sure we have the right motivation. It's like, I remember back to junior high, there was a kid in our junior high class, Um, and his family owned a local mortuary in town. Any of you have been a part of something like that before? One of the guys in the church, he grew up in the same situation, but he was in the local mortuary or his family owned it. Um, And one day to school he brought smelling salts to school. Any of you ever smelled smelling salts before? He had this little vial, and he brought it. And vial is probably a good word for it. Um, um, and he was going around, hey, smell this, you know? And you go, wow, you know, it's like stronger, like a hundred times stronger than the strongest horseradish you've ever smelled or tasted. It's just like that wasabi sauce; it's, it's stronger than that. You know, it's just like you smell it, and you're just like, wow, you know. It just cleans out places in your brain you didn't even know you had. Um, but he was going around the school, going, hey, you ever smell the smelling salt? You know, and kids are going, wow, you know. And he's just Laughing. He's having a blast, and uh, but you know sometimes we can be like that with the gospel. We're just having a blast, and it's all about us. And we feel good to report back to the prayer meeting. We shared the gospel, and we feel good to see. Wow, they were that person was in tears because of what I just shared with them. And it's kind of like a junior high kid going around going wow, oh, you know, wow, you know. Um, now, most of us would say, oh, how, you know, I judge you for those bad motives like that, you know. Don't you judge, shouldn't we judge someone like that? Um, no. Um, but, but the other side of it is there's, there's people that are in the 98% that haven't said anything that's worth saying wow about related to Jesus in a really long time. And we don't want to be in the camp where we're showy and sharing the gospel and trying to get a cool reaction and see tears and, and we get to tell people about it. When you see someone in tears because you shared the gospel and you have a love and a compassion for him, it just about breaks your heart. It's, it's an amazing, it's an awesome thing. I'm sharing with a guy recently and just going through and he had his sins that he listed here and he shared some of these sins that he felt really bad about and I was like, you know, uh, Jesus died right there. Why did Jesus come here? To die for you. I put his name on the cross. Jesus came to die for those sins right there. This man was in tears knowing that Jesus came to die for him. And there's a powerful and there's a loving thing there. But if you have the wrong motivation, it could be a showy thing. And if you have no motivation, that's probably even a bigger problem. We need to catch God's heart for the loss of compassion. It's a soul. We talked about the souls. Each one of us has a unique eternal personality. Um, We have a unique personal choices that we make. There's, There's some part of us that God has designed to live forever that makes you unique. And every soul is going to experience one of two things for eternity. Every soul is going to experience an indescribable joy of being with the God who created them and loves them and has good for them for eternity. Or a soul will experience, in any way that they personally can, they'll experience an anguish, a suffering that will be everlasting and will be indescribable. And the unique thing that makes them unique, maybe it's their voice, maybe it's their cry, maybe it's their wailing, will go on for eternity. In God's heart, God is the one that suffers when someone is lost. You know, sometimes we can try to conjure up, I feel compassion for the lost. God's the one who is suffering the lost. He's the one that's made every person. He knows what it means to be eternally lost. And my prayer is, God, help me to have your heart on this. Lord, I want to know what you feel for the lost. Because right now, I don't have many feelings. In my head, sometimes we have, we have a love for the lost in our head. Boy, I know. Boy, this is bad. This is, you know, boy, you don't want to burn. Things like that. And It's all in our head. But when it gets to your heart, you will be like the Apostle Paul who cannot help but share. Who is compelled to share with people because you know how God feels about it. And I want to be like that. And I hope you would pray, Lord, let me fill your heart on this. If you haven't in a while. And the last one here on the preach is just, have no hindrances to, to sharing the gospel. Sometimes we're going to have things that hinder us from being effective. One is, um, what do we have here? Uh, we've got to be aware of unconfessed sin. Maybe we want to get out there we want to be a part of the gospel. We've got an area of sin in our life that needs to be exposed, that needs to be brought to the light. Yeah, we want to share about Jesus and it's powerful we want to have the right heart. But if somewhere else in your life there's darkness that needs to come out, we need to get that out in the light. Or well, I don't think God will answer some of your prayers related to, to this. And if he does, I think it will be short-lived or short-lived results. We got to watch out for um, praying with unbelief. You know, maybe we're asking God, save that person. God, save that person. In our hearts, we're thinking, God, I prayed this for 10 years. I don't know if you're ever going to save that person. You know, if you're asking something, it's like we ask people when they you know, uh, be, pray to become Christians. You know, they say, i prayed that prayer a hundred times. And I, and I like to tell them, you know what that means, right? That means the last hundred times you've prayed that, you haven't believed God actually answered you. You know? Somewhere we've got to transition our prayers for the lost, where we go, God, I thank you that you've heard my prayers for this person. I thank you that in your timing, you're going to work it out to save this person. And transition from over and over this monotonous religious prayer to, God, I trust you. I've got my request in and I'm I'm waiting for you to do something cool. Maybe give me an opportunity, give someone else an opportunity. But if you're asking over and over, watch out for unbelief. Watch out for a lifestyle that might not be a a negative witness, you know. It's like, oh, I want to share about Jesus, but I've I've got these problems where, um, you know, it's like when I was in college, I argued for Jesus in the dorms, and I got drunk, and I chased women, and I did some things where I called myself a Christian, but I'm positive looking back on that. Jesus did not call me a Christian. If you're in that same boat, you're going to be ineffective, or if you are sharing the gospel, it's going to be hypocrisy. So to make sure we're not living a lifestyle that conflicts with the good news of Jesus Christ. What else do we have? Make sure we, when He gives us an opportunity, make sure we don't punt on it. You know, we're praying, God, who is next? And in your heart, your heart's beating faster because you know, oh my gosh, this person just came here. They asked me, you know, how do I get saved? And now I'm like, what do I do? Um, Going to make sure you don't punt on on opportunities that God gives you. If you do. You need to just deal with that with God. Say, God, you gave me an opportunity. I sinned against you. I didn't take it. You know, I thank you that Jesus died for that sin. Please give me another opportunity. Um, and we've got to make sure, you know, we're trusting God for His timing. Maybe you've been praying for someone for years and you've got another 10 years to wait. But, you know, trust God for God's timing in that. there. Um, so let's again proactively initiate with the lost. Rescue people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Everyone, Evangelize everyone, everywhere. Ask God for their salvation and your opportunity. Catch God's heart for the lost. Have no hindrances in your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we do just want to be um, men and women who have your heart. We want to be men and women who obey you in everything. Lord, not just in worshiping you and praising you, but in sharing about you and what you've done on the cross. God, I do ask for every person in this church, please give us an opportunity to share about you. God, help us to know who is next in our world, in our sphere of influence. God, I pray for those who might even be in the room here today that um, in order to live for your glory before they can do loving the lost, they need to respond to your love in the first place. To respond by saying, I do to you as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that you'd help people respond to your love, to become Christians so they can take that message to, to everyone else who needs to hear it. God, so we just may, pray that you'd make us a church that brings you great glory by obeying the great commandment, by obeying the great commission. We ask you to give us opportunities this week. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Alright, well thank you guys for coming this week and we will catch you uh, right back here next Sunday.